0: Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. Greetings and salutations. That's from the movie Cowboy Bebop. I know you guys think that Japanese anime is for the truly, not cool nerds, but the weirdo nerds. And uh, there's some truth in that I'd say you're about 70% right, 70% right. But if you're not of the millennial generation, if you are from Gen X when Japanese anime was first coming to America's shores with Transor-Z and Voltron, and yes, yes, my fine, uneducated friends of the younger generations, Transformers, Japanese animation. And uh, yeah, for the most part, Japanese animation does indeed suck. It's very bad. Uh, I would not waste your time. It was just new. Like back in the 70s, you know, not that we didn't like Bugs Bunny or that there wasn't genius to it, but Japanese animation was like the first kind of like real, you don't even want to say adult, just not gimmicky, comicky, cartoony type of anime. It was like, oh, this is serious stuff. People die here. You know, oh, wow, that, that guy ain't coming back. Oh, his, his, his lion blew up. Oh, look at this. They, they destroyed that guy who used to be a guy, but then Hagar, the witch, Turned him into this monstrous beast that attacked Voltron. Now, you guys don't want anyway, to uh it. But anyway, it was uh, new. It was different. It was novel. And you you could not get your hands on anime. You just couldn't. Uh, and I think the first real cartoon that came out uh, had a huge influence on me was Robotech. Oh, I didn't miss Robotech for nothing. I didn't miss Robotech for nothing. And, uh, and then I think they ran it a year, year and a half. Then they took it off the air because why would we listen to kids? And then like, hey, here's Adventure Time. Hey, hey, here's some... Ra-. And then the, the, the cartoons just went to pot. Oh, did the cartoons go to pot. And to the... You know, I aged out of it at the same time, too. I'm like, well, this isn't Bugs Bunny. But at that time, I was getting old enough and a little bit more mature to appreciate Bugs Bunny on a completely different level. But I don't even remember. I mean, what, Captain Planet? Oh, that right there, that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the Social Justice Warrior. That was the beginning where... You could see the, the proto SJWs start to try and indoctrinate the kids. Like, well, we already got them at the schools. I mean, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough to you, socialists and Democrats out there that hate the children, even though you claim to love them? Isn't that enough that you get them eight hours a day, nine months out of the year? You had, you had to go and you, now you need their cartoons, you need their video games too. It's just sad, just sad that you can't exi- we cannot have art anymore. And by art, I mean a very wide definition. Be it actual artistic pieces over at a museum, or something as simple as a comic book, and the cartoons and video games and everything else, every form of media, everything in between. You you guys can't just let it. You can't make art. That's because most of you, I guess, ain't got no talent. You're fresh out of ideas. Oh, what? We got another Iron Man coming out, or not Iron Man? There's another Star Wars coming out. I, when does the milk run dry in that cow? You guys, it's it's two damning testaments and testimonies to all of the creative people, quote, creative people in the United States and the West today. One, you have no creativity, originality, or independent thought. You're simply taking stuff that has been in existence and and at best, at best, re-releasing it, rebooting it, or or providing a sequel or whatever. Nothing new, nothing original. And then two... You guys lack any true artistic ability and talent because all you do is add your 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 socialism, you add your leftist politics, your feminist politics, your environmentalism. I mean, look at Captain Planet. How that was! I'm sorry, it was gay. It was gay. It was gay as hell. And the reason it was gay as hell: here's this guy. Here's this pedophile. And he's he's dressed like a like a gay strip dancer, club guy, and and he hangs out with little kids. Doesn't it? Uh, and then then I mean that I knew not that that was the guy with the truck. Strangers offering candy to children, and everybody my age, maybe a little bit younger, maybe my brothers or sisters. Hey, Captain Planet, Captain Planet! I'm like, what is it? So some guy comes up to you with a thong, all ripped, and looks like he just came back from the gay nineties, and you're gonna go follow him on adventure? I mean, that was eerie right off the bat. But come on, and then that was kind of why I started to realize not everybody was on Team Clary, which was the anti-teacher team. Was the truly anti-establishment team? Everyone just lined up and swallowed whole whatever the medicine and the slop was that was given them. But anyway, leftists, isn't it enough that you? If if you, I guess maybe it's a testament to the resiliency of kids. Maybe the that down the road, even the Republican or non-leftist message, maybe sanity and common sense does sink in. But you guys, even with the kids, captive audience, you got a captive audience. They're not going anywhere. You got them hostage, nine months a year, eight hours a day, and then uh, with the social media now. now oh no, we got to have everything. You guys just have to have the entire soft underbelly of the entire United States economy, and even then, you don't get through to all of them. Although I have to, I have to tip my hat. You, you did a spectacular jobs with the millennials. Not like there's any fruit to your labors. But do you have to destroy art in the process? I mean, imagine if one of you left us instead of wasting – think about this. Jorge Gonzalez, uh, he's the artist for uh, Bachelor Pad Economics, the cover there. And uh, we were talking – I interviewed him a while ago and he was talking about – because he went to art school. And it was like more emphasis, time and effort and energy was put on the political message instead of actually honing your craft and your skill and your art. And imagine for those of you who are artists, be you musicians, uh, more video editing, director, filmatography types, painters, drawers, sculptors, the whole realm of art. What if you guys didn't waste your time, effort, labor, and resources on learning leftist politics and instead just focused on being artists, focused on being a good uh, guitar player, Focused on being a good music composer. Focused on being a good uh, paint, painter, sculptor, whatever. You know, Did Michelangelo always have to have some kind of political... Ma- no, he just focused on his painting. Now, of course, he was, he was contracted by the politics of the time. His client was the politics of the, it was the church. But I, I just tried to think, any artist, genuine artist back in the day, oh, they might have been influenced and inspired, but the centerpiece... The whole point and purpose of their art was not the message. It was like, look what I could do with my hands and my vision. I could create this thing that you could either hear or we could even say food. Was that going to be next? Think about that. The left won't stop at anything and and the sheep are, are only more than fertile they're more fertile than a than a Puerto Rican woman on welfare. I mean, whoa! <laughs> it's not the curse-free. It is the curse-free podcast. I didn't say insult-free or accuracy-free. But is that I mean, every every facet of society has been so fertile and receptive to leftist indoctrination. Is that what's gonna come next? Because being a chef, being a cook, that's an art. That is an art. Now, maybe not my level of cooking. That certainly is not an art. It's an abomination. But is that what's going to come next? Where, where oh, I, I cooked and prepared this dish and I presented it to represent the oppression of the black people or the Hispanic people, or whatever people I want a social justice warriorize today. Meanwhile, it tastes like utter crap. You know, I just want a burger. Are you going to make the burger and the sign of a woman's breast to remind me of, of, uh, of uh, the, the Suman Coleman Foundation? Oh, I went to Caribou Coffee. Went to Caribou Coffee, not even a week ago, a couple days ago. Had to go to the grocery store. And I'm trying to practice calm. I'm trying to practice relaxation. I'm trying to pull back on the throttle. Try not to redline things anymore. And I, it was kind of a dark and gloomy and rainy day. I'm like, I, I think I'm going to get an espresso. I'm going to spend the 3 or $4 on an espresso. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do nothing. And I like Caribou uh because even though i think they're owned by muslims uh they're not outright rank leftists like starbucks is where it's like screw white people let's talk about race and we hate males so i'm i'm always i'm willing to go to dun brothers i think that's only local and caribou maybe regional i'm like okay i'll spend my money at caribou and i walk in sure enough amy's blend all this pink stuff cuz they had a an employee called amy and Amy got breast cancer tragically early. She, I, I remember the story. I don't know exactly her age, but she, I don't think she was much older than 30. It was very sad. And then they did Amy's blend. And I'm like, okay, maybe the year or the following year after Amy passed away. Um, I understand. That's tragic. It's sad. You don't want to see anyone die that young. That's horrible. And I understand. Okay, let's raise some money for breast cancer. Oh, no. Oh, no. They are milking her corpse. Amy has turned into dust. She has gone from ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And they are still milking her corpse. It's pink. It's Amy's blend, Amy's stories, Amy's books. I'm like, I just want a freaking coffee. I just want a freaking espresso. Let Let me tell you about the 80s, kids. Let me tell you about the 80s and the 70s. You could be a kid then. There was no politics being forced into every crevasse and nook and cranny. There wasn't a political agenda with Bugs Bunny. There wasn't, I mean, eh, what's our political agenda, G.I. Joe? Ah, it's to stop Cobra. That was about it. Why are we stopping Cobra? Here's the deep political plot. Okay, see if you can follow this. This is West Wing stuff. Because they're bad. (laughs) They're evil. And we're the good guys. And we're going to go stop the bad guys. A-team, A-team, not one, I I bet you go through the entire script that the A-team had been on, there's not one mention of Republican or Democrats or Libertarian or Feminism, and it's like, hey, we're the A-team, what are we going to do? Hey, if you can find us and you need our help, maybe you can hire the A-team, and then it comes Hannibal some kind of crazy outfit. And then the, the lady, she was always the cute lady, she was always like the daughter of the farm rancher who was about to get pushed off his property by the evil real estate developers. And then she'd always been, Face would get her in the end. Face would kiss her in the end. That's because he was called Face. Uh, but, but Hannibal would be dressed up in a lizard outfit or something like, ah, hey, congratulations, you hired the A-team. All right? And why did you hire the A-team? Because they were the good guys. And what were they going to do? The plot was they were going to stop the bad guys. Knight Rider, same thing. Phoenix Foundation. or was, that, was the Phoenix Foundation Knight Rider? Or was that MacGyver? Hang on, let's look that up. I want to be accurate. Hang on. Phoenix Foundation, Knight Rider, oh wait, it's coming up, MacGyver and Knight Rider, Phoenix Foundation. Oh, it's MacGyver, okay, it's MacGyver, I thought, well, same thing, same same thing, oh my gosh, there's a bad guy gonna do bad stuff. what are we gonna do? Let's go get the good guy, MacGyver, and with a piece of gum and a paperclip, he's gonna build an F-16 fighter plane, they'll blow him out of the sky. Knight Rider, Michael Knight. Michael? The, ta- the car talked. The car was good. Kit was good. Michael Knight was good. Ah, there'd be a secretary, but we were too young to really be turned on. I was like, ah, oh, she cute. There's something about that lady. I want to... Oh, hey, look. A talking car. Look at him go. Now, yeah, screw the girl. Oh, there were blissful times. You didn't care about girls. You're just like, oh, man, he's going to the- be the-, the booster. He's going to do the jump. Here goes B.A. Barakas. He's going to try out. He's going to make the van jump. Uh, I'll show that curl trying to chase down Hannibal and those guys. And then who did Michael Knight fight against? He fought against the bad guy. There was no politics. When you went to Target, you know what was great about Target? There'd be toys. You know what was great about, about Toys R Us? There'd be toys. Maybe you only get them because we couldn't afford them, but there was toys. There wasn't like some fat, bloated, mixed-race woman it a pure now understand my, my point here on on advertising. If you're in a black neighborhood, you should have black models. If you're in a white neighborhood, you should have white models. If you're in an Asian neighborhood, have Asian models. Every once in a while, sure, there's that one per okay, alright, that's fine, a little bit of variety, genuine diversity. But depending on the racial mix of your market, you might want to market to those people. Oh no, no. Here we are in whitey McWhite White of all you could ever white in Wisconsin. There's a town called Whitey, Wisconsin. Not really, but let's just go with it. And you could be a target, which is one of the whitest corporations ever. And when you were a kid, you'd walk in, and predominantly, every once in a while, not, but that's all right, because you saw the occasional black guy. You saw, you saw the occasional Latino woman. But for most of uh, those are white models. Oh no! Now we gotta jam it down your throat. And you can't buy a cup of coffee. You can't get a soda. You can't go get gas. You can't go to any corporation or any place without some bleeping political message some social justice warrior always of the leftist stripe we're trying to cure cancer let's stamp out poverty hey donate a nickel to uh, nickels for Nicaragua oh we're fighting this we're fighting for that and now it's ruined you cannot just exist without politics even the look fine parents, adults and you guys are the ones that brought it upon us you're the ones that are forcing this down on everybody's throats at least back in the day, you could turn off the television. That's it. Or you didn't have to read the newspaper. And then for the most part, companies, corporations, and employers, kind of like, yeah, you know what? Uh, you're here to work. We're here to make widgets. Uh, we sell to Democrats and Republicans, feminists and people who don't hate men, uh, uh, Latinos and whites and, and Hispanics. Well, yeah, you got money. We, we're selling to you. What do we sell? We sell paper. We sell probably the least political, most apolitical thing on the planet. We sell gas. We sell uh, we sell ice cream. And by gosh, if it didn't take Gen X uh, or you know proto social justice warriors with their first generation of worthless degrees to go and manage to fit politics into everything, so now you can't escape it. You can't escape it. I can't go down. To the bleeping coffee store to get a bleeping espresso without having some kind of leftist bleeping message put in my face. I was thinking about taking pictures of all these like, hey, do you want to round up a dollar firehouse sub? Would you like to round? No, I don't want to round up a dollar for the firemen. And I'm pro firemen. But you guys have budgets. Oh, you need safety equipment? Really? What fire department are they sending firemen into a burning building buck naked with a squirt gun? Always asking for money and donations, and using leftist—typically, though not always—leftist causes. If I, if I see, if I had a nickel for every time about some company, we're going to do this for hunger. How long have we been doing stuff for hunger? How long do I got to see the African kid with flies on his face? You haven't solved it since the baby boomers and the the what's it called? What was their flagship product under Kennedy? You guys! Oh, you guys thought you were going to save the world because you were idiots. You thought the Partridge family, we're going to play a song and it'll be Lin Min May and Robotech all over again. The world will just magically solve itself. What was it? Um, The Peace Corps. The Peace Corps. It's like the Marine Corps, but the opposite. Because we don't even achieve anything or do anything. Unlike the Marines. It's not hard, unlike the Marines. It doesn't build character, unlike the Marines. That pretty much was the... What's the formula? What, 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 what we call the, how are we going to model the Peace Corps? Let's take the Marines, yeah, do the complete opposite. We'll be completely worthless. We'll achieve Jack. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, but the '80s guy, oh, you could be a kid. You could be a kid. You could go get your BMX bike and there wouldn't be this, ah, this has been made with recycled rubber from rubber trees to save on there. Oh, we're saving the world. There was none of that. It really didn't start happening until about the late 80s, early 90s with the ozone layer and the, and the, the rainforest. It's the lungs of the world. We gotta save the Amazon rainforest. Okay, Mister So and So, that was my teacher. I can't remember him, Spanish teacher. Gay. We didn't know it at the time. Nobody cared. It's, oh, it's muy muerte or whatever. I, I, that's how much Spanish I remember. And uh, you know, telling us that we're all not going to be able to breathe in ten years. All these predictions that went wrong. And that's thats where. And then it, it just—it just crescendoed up. Now it's all over. It, it's, it's like AIDS in Africa. It is all over now. You can't go without it being seen. But there was a time. There was a time where young boys and girls could be young boys and girls. You could play baseball. You could play basketball. You could play with your dolls. You could play on the playground. There wasn't sermoning or lecturing or moralizing. Even the teachers there, they were bent to the left. But I think that was, that was just their nature and if anything it was wrong, Rand, but they daredn't start saying any of this crazy stuff like, "Oh, you might be a five-year-old transgender." Little Bobby played with little Susie's doll. I think he needs—he needs drugs. He needs therapy to find out if he's trans. <laughs> you, you are left the f alone. You are left alone to be yourself. And just and that's one great thing. Oh man! And I I wish you kids had it. Well, no kid should be listening to this podcast. Although I don't know if you're on transgender hormone surgery drugs because your your open minded liberal parents listen to their open minded liberal teacher at pre K over in San Francisco on a government program. Yeah, you I think your daughter might might be may be a male. Well, let's pump her full of testosterone. But there was a time. You're allowed to play video games yo yeah know, you can play your Pac-Man or your Nintendo hey there's Super Mario brother hey Mario and Luigi are gonna go try to save the princess why because Bowser is evil well why did he because he's evil we gotta go save her oh that's cool let's do that no you can't even do that now oh is it it's sexist that's traditional gender roles where the man is saving the woman we gotta teach them something different oh we gotta be what was it um Oh, Bioware—they made a great video game series about Dragon. Dragon's Age. Was that it? And I played the first two. It was pretty good. And I got to the third one, and my gosh, they force the—it's—it's—it's it's like a Marvel comic book now. There's no traditional roles. The strong, powerful person is the blonde woman who goes on to become an officer uh, in the in the guard. Um, you get to play a, a reasonably—I think you only—you play the only straight male in the entire thing. You're hit on by a gay cleric and they make it not so subtle that he's gay. Oh my goodness, he's fabulous! (laughs) I mean, Bioware, really, for you guys over there who, who, again, you have no artistic ability and and all you're left with is change genders and and race and all that, uh, you know, to do the swap thing. Why don't the next Dragon Age or Dragon Warrior, or whatever it's called, why don't you just... Make the guy wear a feather boa and wear some big honking uh, Elton John platform boots. Why? Don't you, why not you have him do that? To say nasty, nasty. And you know when they hit when they hit the enemies, they, he swings his his uh, his mace. Make the mace pink with a big gaudy diamond at the end of it. Go nasty, nasty. Because that's about all you guys got right now. That's it. That that's you guys are fresh out. And instead of making games for kids to enjoy, look at how evil, look at how anti Christmas and anti Santa Claus you guys are. You're gonna get a lump of coal. You're gonna, you know what? You guys are the type, when, when it's Halloween, you hand out apples. You hand out like, like uh, vegetables and fruit. You're the people that hand out dental floss. You're like the dentists of Halloween. That's what you guys are. That's pretty much all of media right now. All you artists out there in the United States, you are the dentist at Halloween. You just can't make it fun and you don't care that it's it's kids. These poor kids have been deprived of like a normal childhood. Where you could just this this blissful time we didn't worry. I mean, we knew the Russians were kind of maybe going to nuke us, but uh, I don't know, I'm going to go play with this frog. You know, we knew Ronald Reagan was there. But for those of us particular old uh, Gen Xers we knew of the 70s which really sucked we were happy that Ronald Reagan came in also our parents had jobs and we had kind of had like toys so we could afford Pepsi music didn't suck as bad <sighs> oh and it was it was wonderful it was just wonderful you got to go and play you got to ride your bikes and it was free of politics free of worry but boy, you 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 scumbag like you don't see anyone from the right trying to influence kids because at least we we respect the sanctity and the innocence of childhood. You leftists, oh my gosh, you just you just view them as like like James Wood said, future Democrat voters, they're Democrat larvae. They're just Democrat eggs. And instead of letting a, a human being evolve and develop and be truly free, for that for that short 18 years of their life, you gotta get in there. And you gotta start pumping them full of, of hormone and drug treatments just so maybe they become trans. At, at five, at six. Don't, see, I sleep well at night. I sleep okay. You could say I'm the most evil person and the right wingers hate and all that. No, no, no. And, and we all know who the real evil people are. We all know based on actions. That is, we can at least appreciate the, the right of a kid to have a childhood free and void of politics. Right or left. Just kid, go, go have fun. You don't want nothing to do with this. No, I, I know if we intervened now and we took over the public schools and, and indoctrinated you, uh, we'd get future votes. But you know what? I can't do that to you. I really can't do that to you. Now, you, you go have fun. You go play with that turtle. Yeah, you go play with that truck. And there's nothing wrong with you playing with that truck if you're a boy. And, sweetheart, there's nothing wrong with you playing with that doll if you're a girl. You go do what you... You want to wear a dress, sweetheart? You absolutely go wear... It. Son, you want to wear a dress? Screw you. <laughs> go play with the truck some more. <laughs> Maybe that'd be a little nudging. Get out of here. You go play with the truck. Here's a baseball. Go hit it with that funny-looking stick. That's... <laughs> oh, God. Let's... uh Oh! I gotta tell you a funny story. Last night, no- I've been getting great sleep. Been getting great sleep, uh, and I unfortunately I like to say it's been unaided, uh, but it hasn't. Uh, I got sick, and coughing, coughing, hacking, hacking. Can't sleep. The coughing and hacking wakes you up, and you don't get sleep. Then you just get sicker because you probably don't get the rest of sleep. So I kind of broke down, and I said, "All right, I need Nyquil." I think the last time I got Nyquil, I must have been a kid. I don't even know if they had NyQuil when I was a kid. My mom gave me this nasty stuff. I'd always get sick when I was younger. Just give me this nasty stuff. And I can't remember if it worked or not. But anyway, so I go get the NyQuil. And I get the knockoff brand because it comes from the exact same machine. It's not different. it's It's the exact to the atom. It is the exact same thing. So I get the Equate version of NyQuil. And I take a nib off of that. You should measure two tablespoons. No, I just take a slug from it, and like ah, that should be enough. And I slept twelve hours. I'm like, holy, co- solid out. No coughing. Felt like a million bucks afterward. I'm like, boy, let's see if we could repeat that again. Get rid of my cold. Took another slug uh, that next day night. Bam out. Almost feeling like ninety nine hundred percent. Just made a little, <clears throat> you know, like little babies cough. <clears throat> Like, oh, it's cute. She's in pain. <laughs> but her lungs are so small it sounds her cries of pain and agony sound cute. <laughs> so I, I, I have a and boom, out. And so then I'm like, well, got half a bottle left of this stuff. You know, like and and I, I figured it out. It just takes one little sip before I go to bed. And I have not only great sleep. I have heavenly dreams. Heavenly dreams, wonderful dreams. Hiking, mountain climbing, all my buddies are around. And uh, so I got, I think the bottle's almost out now. And I'm going to see if, if these dreams continue without the NyQuil, knock off NyQuil. Um, but by God, I'm willing to buy a bottle of that and have just a nip. It's not even a full table, so I just take a little sip, a puny little sip And uh, I don't know if it's the drugs in there or what, but I just get this spectacular sleep. Better than with sleeping pills. Sleeping pills always leave you a little tired. They're not good for your liver. I know, I know. I'm sure the NyQuil isn't either. I don't need all you doctors and nanny moms coming in. Go, go ruin some kid's childhood. Look, there's a kid having an independent free thought and not worshiping and bowing down at, at the altar of global warming. Go attack him. Leave me and my NyQuil alone. So last night, um, go to bed. I I was wide awake because I got 12 hours of sleep the night before. I mean, I've just been not joking. Past five days, I've gotten 10 plus hours of sleep. Sometimes 12. Just feel like a million. But I'm in a better mood. I'm not depressed or down. I you know, funky kind of depressed, not clinical depression. Just ah, shit. What's the point of life? Ah, uh, people. Ah, uh, liberals. Now I'm just like, oh, it's good to be alive. I'm gonna go for a run, hit the gym. So last night, take a little sip. Go to bed at about 2.30. Solid sleep. Having a great dream. And such a good dream that I like. Ed Lattimore makes an appearance. And the role of capacity, Ed Lattimore, if you don't know him, look him up, edlattimore.com. He's a heavyweight boxer. I think about 6'3", 225, 230 pounds, 13 and 1. Big rip dude. And uh, Ed Lattimore makes an appearance in my dream. And the whole plot of the later half of my dream sequence is um, him and I got a charity function and I agreed to box him uh, for this charity function on Friday. (laughs) And it started to turn into somewhat of a nightmare, not because I had to box Ed Lattimore, in which case you were wondering who would win, Ed or me, it would would be Ed. Uh, Or the grievous bodily harm one punch would, would cause me. I was worried I was late. I'm like, oh, did I forget that event? Oh, my gosh, I I got a box ad. I got a box ad. And then for whatever reason, I realized it was only Wednesday. I'm like, oh, good, it's not till Friday. And I say, huh, maybe I should train. (laughs) And that's when the panic set in. I'm like, whoa, I haven't even trained. I haven't even punched a punching bag. I've just been going to the gym. But this this NyQuil or whatever it is I'm, I'm sipping on, the dreams are so deep and so real, it's like you're in, you know your brain doesn't know you're sleeping, and then I'm freaking, oh my gosh, I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna I mean, I was expecting to get the crap kicked out of me, but I thought I could put up a little bit of a fight. This is how you think when you're on NyQuil and drink and dreaming. And then I wake up kind of like realizing, oh, I don't have to fight Ed Lattimore on Friday, thank God. <laughs> I don't have to go and drink. So I tweeted that out to Ed. Ed got a kick out of that because, even though I uh, I can hold my own in my weight class, I think Ed knows that I am I am not going to. And then he's like, "Hey, you know what? That isn't too bad of a of a charity idea. Maybe we could put that charity." Fund. I'm like, "Hell no, no sir, no." mm. Him and I can play chess. That's that's something he's very good at chess because he's good at everything. He's at Lattimore. He does everything: writes, programs, boxes. In the in the military, and he plays chess, and I know how to play, but I am not I'm not that good. I'm very impatient. Uh, all right, you know what? Let's do a little bit of sponsors here. Uh, October is asshole appreciation month. If you would be kind enough to spread the good word, share, like, subscribe, comment, and do reviews of pretty much all my products Uh, not to say asshole consulting i I don't really have a yelp page because there's no physical location uh but if you listen to the podcast or have read my books or not and just want to go put a five star standard five star review no review uh um, either my podcast or my books if you've read them or listen or tune in the reviews help the most on itunes and then uh, the reviews on the amazon uh, page for the books also help Write a quick little review or a long one. I don't care. Be honest. Don't, oh my God, greatest book ever. Unless you actually think it was the greatest book ever, but that helps out. And then also, just spread uh, the good word. So share on the Facebook and all that. This is about the extent of the marketing that I do beyond uh, I run ads over on Tom Likas and Terrence Pop's channels. Um, so yeah, just tell everybody about Asshole Consulting, the podcast, the blog, or whatever. And then we got a couple new... Uh, new sponsors here. Let's go with uh, uh, the safety doc, Dr. David Paradin. He has a podcast out called the Safety Doc Podcast. Just search that. Uh, he's on my blog roll as well. You'll find that um, over on CaptainCapitalism at Blogspot.com. But if you search Paradin, P-E-R-R-O-D-I-N safety doc, you'll find it uh, because it's a, un- a unique name. And it's on all things safety. It's talking about um what was that the the victims in not victims but i guess victims the sufferers in Puerto Rico safety when it comes to natural disasters, it's 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 not as boring as you would think it's not like he's osha you know it's not like the osha channel with dr david Paradin, and now we talk about ladder clearances i mean it's it's much more interesting than that especially if you got kids keep them away from uh the pedos and uh and captain planet you know like if if you tune into dr paraden He'll make sure your kids aren't running off with somebody that looks like Captain Planet, with his thong and his freaking blue hair mullet, right? He'll he'll keep your kids safe from that. <laughs> uh, then we also have the Hanging Chads. I was on their podcast not too long ago, and then um, I ended up walking six miles. I dropped my car off uh, down more towards the Mount of Medi. I But uh, looked that up. I was thinking, I could, I could. know, have someone give me a ride. "Ah, No, I'm going to walk it. It's like 7.2 miles. Nice fall day. Started walking through some uh, neighborhoods, looking at trees changing colors, looking at these houses, saying, oh, these houses were put up in the 80s and the 90s, and they're very nice. I wonder if the happy families lived here. Then you find out, no, (laughs) nobody's really happy. Everyone's miserable. It's just the... the, uh, veneer they put on the Potemkin Village. You're like, ah, yeah, there was misery, pain, and divorce in every single one of these households. Everyone here is from a broken family, a broken home, and that beamer sitting in that driveway is merely merely for show. It masks the misery. Anyway, uh, where was that going? Oh, so I downloaded, I was on their podcast, but then they also had Rolo Tomasi on the podcast previous, so I was listening to that and just had a nice, joyful walk listening to them and uh, Chris Beckloff. So they're on Zencast. I, th- I know David Paradin is on SoundCloud. These guys are on Zencast, and they do a darn good job. They, they get, they get uh, If you're getting Rolo in there, and Rollo's a, a damn fine interviewer or interviewee. Really interesting podcast. That one unto itself is real interesting. I hit it out of the park, I might say so myself. We had interesting conversation as well. I don't have my master's in in, uh, behavioral psychology like uh, some whiskey barons do, but that's all right. That's all right. I held my own with my measly little bachelors. Thank you very much. Uh, But tune in to those guys, The Hanging Chads. Search The Hanging Chads podcast because there's also a band called The Hanging Chads. Uh, And then another new uh, sponsor, uh, David Barnett over in Kanakistan, he runs a company called Business Buyer Advantage. So you want to go to businessbuyeradvantage.com, you say, well, why would I go there? Uh, for those of you who are looking to buy a business, instead of starting a business, which has all these startup costs and problems, a lot of you are interested in like turnkey, like you buy an already existing business. And you may be interested in that because a lot of businessmen and women are retiring. Uh, the baby boomers are kind of passing on, finally. Passing on the productive means. <laughs> and uh, you say, well, maybe I want to buy this franchise. Maybe I want to do it. Don't. Don't. Do not buy a company unless you talk to this man. And I'm not joking. I'm not saying it's because he paid me money. I'm, I'm saying because he paid me money, and it's true. When I started looking through his videos and his interviews and his articles, he, he has the whole thing, yeah, YouTube channel, blog, uh, but the main site is businessbuyeradvantage.com. He's got books. He's got training. It would be worth watching some of his videos because this man does know his stuff. And when we got to talking... um, I, I I looked up his background. This guy knows his shtick. This guy has a lot of business experience uh, being a business broker, business analyst. He's not just some slick-haired dude. So, like, Say, you want to get into the exciting world of flipping houses? Come with Jimmy McJim Jim over in Jim's California... I uh, can't curse... Sheep Flipping House Project. Are you a sheeple? Come to Jimmy Jim's House Flipping Project. We're going to go to Santa Monica Rosa. Yeah. They're playing the the heavy bass with the violin. Hang on, let me see if I can't find that this type of music. Then you know it's. Aaron, how do you know it's a scam? Hang on. If you hear this type of music, this is the type of scam. Let me turn this up. If I can find it now. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Bass with violin. Hip-hop. Hang on, let's try this. Oh, it's an advertisement. Hang on. Bear with me, guys. No, that's not it. Yeah, this is kind of like it. Yo, 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 what's up? This is AC over in the AC neighborhood. Oh Laguna Beach, California. Come over to AC, flip this house, flip my dick, with slick dick, slick! Okay, you guys got the idea. There's some a little bit, hang on, there's it's it's more Boom boom boom. Wait, hang on, let's try this. Well no, that's the original, that's a real song. Gay. Black, it's just two black guys playing a violin. That's not what I'm looking for. Dope rap, hip hop, instrument, sample, orchestra, beak, string, violin. Is this it? Hang on. Yeah, kinda. Kinda. Is this? Ask more Jason Borney. All right, you guys get the idea. Where was I? What was I talking about? Oh, Business Buyer Advantage. All right, so that's not him. That's not David. <laughs> You're not going to see David with a flat brim hat on the sideways saying, yo, 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 because uh, he went to college and he's educated and he's experienced. And so, uh, just check out his stuff. He has books on the cheap. He's got classes on the not-so-cheap, but they're affordable. He's got YouTube that's for free. Just read his... Just before you go and you plop down money, it's definitely worth paying this guy his fee uh, to give you his one-two. Um, so, kind of like Asshole Consultant. Trust you, me. it's the same... I, I, look, when I was in banking, I saw it. All these... I'm going to start a bar. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy a, this this thing. I'm going to do this stuff. And it's... I remember one gal, what, she want to buy a party planet or a party, like they made balloons and stuff. And she came in with a, just in case you were wondering, what are the signs of a future Jack Welshian like business leader and entrepreneur? It's not when you come in with a piece, one piece of paper and you wrote down your business plan and it includes revenue and it's a very flat, even number, and then expenses, and then profit, and there's three lines, and there's no other detail than that. I remember one guy, literally, he came in, like, okay, we need to see a business plan. This guy came in, I want the money to buy a truck. I will make money with the truck by hauling freight. And you could the the image that's coming to your mind right now is exactly that guy. That's exactly why stereotyping exists, so that when you see this man his four kids that his wife kept giving him. Oh, Maybe there's just so much bad crap that happened in the past. That's why my brain automatically goes to the default of anger. Maybe that's why I'm always kind of in like a default. I've been trying to fight it. Like I always catch myself and I'm catching myself. Like no, don't go. My mind defaults to bad things. But when that was your life, I'm not talking like... Oh, you, you were brought up where there was a drug trade or people got – no, it's not that. It's just when, when, when your life was dealing with morons all the time, you, you can't help but get angry. Anyway, getting back to com, go talk to David. Oh, that's where I was going with that. If these people had just paid asshole consulting thirty five bucks to take a look at their business plan, I would have saved them their lives. Because these people, the the bankers want to finance them because they get commission on the deal. Remember, we don't hold the loan; we just pass that off to the secondary market. Because the secondary market is idiots. But if they had paid me, you know, thirty five bucks to say whether that's a good business idea or not, or assuming you guys are a little bit smarter than those people, which you are, uh, there's a lot more to buying a business. Uh, than a good business plan. It's knowing like franchise, Like for example, David was pointing out a lot of people who have franchises will sell them when the lease or the term of the franchise contract runs up because that's the point in time that the franchisor comes in and demands that you make all these leasehold improvements and improve the, here's the new layout for your Taco Bells. Here's the new layout for your Embers or your Perkins. And now you got to drop half a million dollars That you weren't thinking about in the purchase price. So that's the type of stuff. So businessbuyeradvantage.com. Praxi, if you need to contact me directly through your cell phone, you could contact me through the Praxi app. It is expensive, it is $2 a minute, right, with a $25 connection charge. So make sure you got your question ready to go so we don't cost you a ton of money, right? You download it on your phone either through the Google Play Store or the iPhone Store. And, um,. When you Please plug in your headphones when you contact me because the number one problem is you have it up to your head and you're talking and then your cheek bumps the off button and then we got to reconnect, right? So download the Praxi app if you need to get in contact with me emergency style or you're willing if you want to pay $2 a minute just to talk to me. It's happened. People are like, okay, that's fine. I'm running. I'll be doing something else. And listen, we could we could chat for $2 a minute. The Clary Chat Line for $2 a minute. That's worse than the whores that they were charging back in the 90s on those 1-900 numbers, I think. I think, I want to say it got up at like $5 a minute. There was some insane amount that they got up to. I never understood that. You're talking to this gal. How do you know? How do you know? It's, how do you know? How do you even know it's a, it's, a, it's a girl? What if it's like the guy from Rush who sounds like a girl and for like 20 years I thought they had a female lead vocalist and until someone says, no, that's a guy. I'm like, oh, who?" Well, you know, like, oh, dude, it's like the same old old joke that she's, a, that he's a girl. It's not funny, man. You could sing like that. It's like, no, no, I couldn't. You no, know what I want to. You no, know, Baldoni can hit the falsetto notes, but he can also hit bass and baritone. I think. Is that the number of octaves you can hit? When you meet Matt, he has a very deep voice. It's not hey! he doesn't sound like Prince. Was it Prince? Was it Michael? Ja- Michael Jackson and Prince both sounded kinda Oh hey what? Mike Tyson like. He doesn't sound like Mike Tyson. If you're wondering if Matt Baldoni sounds like Mike Tyson, he does not. <laughs> that was that was Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson from South Park. Alright. Back to the sponsors. Uh so download the Praxy app in case you gotta contact me. <laughs> Uh, nose hair trimmers, have you bought your nose hair trimmers today? No, you haven't? Well, go to Amazon.com. No, don't go, Lord, don't go to Amazon.com. Go to my site, CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com first. Then click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to the Amazon site, but then they will know you came for me, and any purchases, purchases you make during that shopping session, including nose hairs trimmers, I get a 7 to 6% commission or cut. You do not pay any extra, it's just a commission I get for sending traffic their direction we have my books reconnaissance man black man has got out of poverty bachelorette economics worthless enjoy the kind decline curse of the high iq and the last one poor Richard's retirement poor Richard's retirement is the most recent one i strongly recommend here's here's how to know should i buy this book Aaron? is it for me do you have two hundred thousand dollars in savings right now for your retirement savings if the answer is no go get the book if you're worried about not having enough saved up for retirement, you're like, I, I haven't saved up enough for retirement because I've been, being pay, be, been busy paying off my student loans. I've been busy uh, uh, working and, and paying off my house and my car loan. And you're, all of a sudden, you're in your forties. You don't have... Look, if you're in your forties, you don't have any money saved up in your 401k or IRA. You don't even have a 401k or IRA or you have some pittance of an amount and you know you ain't got... Get this book, okay? Get the book. The reason why is not because it's going to berate you or lecture you. Quite the opposite. It's going to explain to you why it's perfectly fine that you don't have that much saved up. It's going to show you how little you need to have saved up. And then it will go through the steps that you could save that much required to retire on, $175,000 a year per person in today's dollars. And that's it. So for, I don't know, $12, $9, it's an essay. It's short. I charge very little for it. Maybe I should charge more. Get that book. should be a bestseller. Also, Reconnaissance Man. If you happen to be a younger man or woman, and you, you have a choice, you could go to Asshole Consulting and you don't know what to do in life. You go, oh, I'm going to go to Asshole Consulting. You could pay me $35 for me to tell you what's in the book, Reconnaissance Man. Or you could go and buy Reconnaissance Man and you can listen to it or read it. To ingest it however you want. I don't care. I got your money. All right? But everyone that It's... It's the irony and the paradox where I kept, you know, this is how black man's got out of poverty got written. I I keep my finger on the pulse, keep my tabs on the market. I noticed there was a lot of young black gentlemen who wanted to, they wanted to, you know, get out of poverty. So I wrote the book and it sold. I'm like, okay, there's demand. There's a market there. I kept getting questions. I don't know what to major in college. I I don't know what to do after high school. I'm in college, but I don't like my degree. I'm like, hey, I'll come up with the solution. But no one bought it. That no one bought them. It's just like, I thought you guys... I and that, but then I, I get the same question over and over again. Hey, I got out of high school and I'm finishing my first semester. Yeah, college sucks. I don't... It's like, oh. I know. Everybody could be new. Everybody could be new. This first time they're tuning in. But what I do is I, I'm an asshole. I, I charge them and then I say, oh, and by the way, buy this book on top of it. Because <laughs> I am evil. All right, so those two books, if you would kindly go get those, if they're of value for you. Uh, We got other people's books, Guts Polcones and Pushing Rubber Downhill by our favorite former Australian, now Dutch citizen, Adam Piggott. Uh, You can go to his site, Pushing Rubber Downhill. Uh, Visit his site there. He has a blog and a podcast as well. So go to PushingRubberDownhill.com. You can buy his books, download his podcasts. Um, Then what else? There's something else. He writes. He's got a blog too, but there's some I can't remember. Carrie Lutz is viral podcasting. Rollo uh, uh male. God damn it! I have the link. I should just write the title down. Positive masculinity, I think, is the is the title. But it, I have that he has it on his URL as male positive masculinity. The rational male positive masculinity. Yeah, that's it. Um, like I said before, he was on with the Hanging Chads. Great interview, by the way. So, after this one, after this one, not before, not to, After this one, then you can go. Uh, but that's, uh, and just the topics of conversation they're talking about, it almost compels me to read it. If I wasn't so darn busy doing my own stuff here, I need to go on a road trip that's not on a motorcycle, so I could just take in a bunch of audiobooks, binge listen to uh, O'Shea Jackson. Um, otherwise, I've just been sticking with like my three or four podcasts I normally listen to. Speak of other books, books by Marcus Brown. Another book, niggas ain't gone read, not niggers, niggas ain't gone, not going to, not gonna, gone, g-o-n read. He said, "Oh my God, is that racist?" No, it's not. Actually, it's a very blunt, direct book. It's basically the book of woke for black people, uh, black people, written by Marcus Brown, who happens to be black, and so take your accusations of racism. And go her. Hey, look! There's some kids having fun without you interrupting them and lecturing them about positive female, feminine, sh- short hair, uh, transgendered sexual identity. I don't think they know the term sapiosexual. You better go tell them, inform them. Look, they're about to have fun and not worry about global warming. Quick, go ruin their lives. And then, glorious Carl's book, uh, Trade the Ratio. This is for anyone who is either a beginning or a beginner investor to precious metals. Or for those of you who happen to already have precious metals but would like to start trading. First couple of chapters are basically the argument and case for economic and politically why you would want to invest in precious metals. For those of you who are already intricately familiar with national debts, inflation, uh, world reserve currency, Obama, Bush, and, and economics 101, you don't need to read those first couple of chapters. But for those of you who might want to uh, start making money because holding Precious metals doesn't make you money. It just It's money. They don't poop out little silver dimes or anything like that. But if you wanted to trade it, and of course, there's always a risk you lose, money. Uh, you might want to read the later half of his book. Uh, and that would be Trade the Ratio, available paperback and Kindle. And that gives through, it's like a trading technique that he used and retroactively applied that would result in profit. i I want to do it. I just don't have the time. I just really don't. But for you gold bugs and silver bugs out there um, that do, you know, kind of the cryptocurrency type of guys, you could do the same thing, I guess, with Bitcoin and Ethereum. That's another way you could do it. But it's trade ratio available at Amazon.com. Now, listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? This segment of the Clary Podcast brought to you by Matt Baldoni. Matt Baldoni, where where, you have noticed... The audio is a little bit different. The background noise is a little bit different because uh, Baldoni's in town. He's on tour with a Simon and Garfunkel tribute band, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna be in St. Paul." I'm like, oh, okay, I'll come pick you up. And um, I grab my laptop, and he he, he had his schedule. Well, like there'll be a two-hour gap where I'll be able to just do my do my podcast, and then um, and this is the only reason I'm talking about. It. He's like, "Hey, mind if we change the schedule? Pick me up sooner than later?" I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I'll come out." And I find out that because of the union... There's a union in, uh, in the theater or the music industry, the stage production. I think the great one would probably know about this better than I do. And I've heard listening to Bill Burr about the the finicky, picky, petty, anal retentive requirements that unions have. Like, oh, we need... Even, even Penn Gillette's talked about this. I think it's also why they don't perform in New York that much. <clears throat> where they've become so demanding and so petty with their demands that you, at minimum, have to have, like, let's say you only need two stagehands. No, you got to have twelve, and this and that. And so now a lot of people are saying, "Forget it. We're just not going to tour New York, New Jersey, or all any you know, any you of know, these other crap holes that you know where the union oh, we got to do you stick You know, still clinging on to like it's nineteen sixty nine and and Bart Starr is a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers." So, um, I and I don't participate in the music or theater world. But then he says, "Yeah, I gotta come here," and he got yelled at <laughs> because he's just he moved a chair. He moved a chair probably so he could bring his guitar somewhere. And sure enough, the 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 union guy comes. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, you can't. You have to stop that immediately. It's like what? He like, you gotta use it. And then because of some kind of other schedule thing, like the guys had to test their sound equipment. Some the band had to do something. They had to test their sound equipment or something like that. And they said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna grab a bite DE. And that didn't jive with whatever anal retentive uh, union rules there were. They said, okay, we have to take a that's what was a meal penalty. I looked at him and said, What the hell is a meal penalty? He says, I don't know. <laughs> and and you, union people, that you, you, union people, wonder why the jobs went overseas, or what How, how? What are you, California regulators? What are you? How far up somebody's ass do you have to be with all your pity? Can't you just go and get the work done, get her done? Can they just give what? The idea of hey, let's hustle, let's get it done, go, go, go. I mean, how sad and petty is your life and your career that you got to nitpick and wedge in three times of the amount of labor than is necessary? You got to get a a meal penalty. How sad and pathetic is your union and your job and how unnecessary that you got a concept like a meal penalty? I mean, I remember when I was younger working actual physical labor, you know, like, oh, yeah, I appreciate my 15-minute break. You need it. You need it. But there'd be times like, ah, we don't got this. This is in the production assembly. We used to work at a greenhouse plant. They'd make uh, all those plants you see, like, at the grocery store. That was made by a company that I used to work for a long – not not nationally, but locally. There, there's usually a large industrial greenhouse somewhere with machinery and equipment. I worked at, God, seventh, eighth grade. I said, oh, we got this already assembled and in production. Let's get let's just get that done because it's more efficient, it's logical. And then we'll take our fifteen minute break. Oh no, not you not you mature baby boomer clinger on nineteen sixty nine Brett Five not Brett Favre, Bart Star, Green Bay Packers quarterback, uh union members. Oh no, you good we're gonna get the union back. It took her gaps. <coughs> Honest I just it's enough to give a dog's ass heartburn. No, re- no reason to hide, no. no and, and I used to have, like, the soft spot for, for, you know, the blue-collar Democrat. Yeah, they work hard, mechanics, teamsters. So they're like, yeah, okay, tradesmen, there's some honor and respect in that. But when you become precious little prima donnas, we need, we need, a, we need a, what was it, a meal penalty? A meal penalty. Oh, screw you guys. That's where you lose me. That's where you you, you, you blue-collar uh, Democrats lose me. I mean, who wants to hire you? I mean, what's what's the choice? Am I going to hire a minority who's going to sue me for racial discrimination, a social justice warrior female who's going to sue me for sexual harassment, or a union member who's just going to drag their ass on every little uh, uh, burr and corner? Forget it. I'm going to go overseas to China. I'm not setting on my plant here. Oh, heaven help Amazon if they, they got their $5 billion uh, facility they want to they wanna build somewhere. Heaven help you if you come here in the United States and they're actually unionized. All right, we got to do some news. I promise I do. And there's some good news. I don't know if I got enough time for it because I got to go pick up Matt Baldoni. Because the union guys, oh, we got our meal, our meal penalties. This was sent from uh, one of our baby boomer agents in the field. And there are good baby boomers. There's good people in every group. I'm sure there were okay Nazis as well. I'm big sure there are probably some good, honest, hard-working communists. It just, uh, you know, so I don't think I hate everybody. From Zero Hedge, homie depot That's Home Depot. Panics over millennials. Forced to host tutorials on using tape measures hammering nails. <laughs> this comes off the heels of a video I did about, like, I had to, someone wanted to know what my opinion like who was the truly worst generation between baby boomers gen xers and millennials and I took a methodological approach and it, it came up pretty much uh, pretty much millennials I mean everyone sucks basically but the millennials are just a, in a league of their own as Wall Street analysts celebrate the upcoming of age of millennial generation hang on, I got something in my teeth dang it now it's up in the gums there we go Aaron did you just spit that out yes uh, a group of young people who are supposedly to lead another revolutionary wave of consumerism if only they could work long enough to escape their parents' basement. Retailers like Homie Depot are panic about selling into what will soon be America's largest demographic, but not for the reasons you might think. While avocado resellers like Whole Foods only have to worry about creating a catchy advertising campaign to attract millennials, Home Depot is on full panic mode after realizing that an entire generation of Americans have absolutely no clue how to use their products. As the Wall Street Journal points out, the company has been forced to spend millions to create video tutorials and host in-store classes on how to do everything from using a tape measure to mopping a floor and hammering a nail. I mean, I I know my generation was pretty bad, but my God, you millennials suck. You just don't, don't even try. Don't even tell me, oh, this is where we came from. We were raised badly. You know Gen X was raised badly, pretty badly too, but we learned how to hammer a freaking nail. This is from. Uh, oh, sorry. Home Depot's vice president of marketing admits she was originally hesitant because she thought some of her their videos might be a bit too condescending, but she quickly learned that they were necessary for our pampered millennials. Quote. In, uh, this is from uh, the Wall Street Journal. Quote they're, they're quoting in Zero Hedge. In June, the company introduced a series of online workshops, including videos on how to use a tape measure and how to hide cords that were so basic, some executives worried they were condescending. You have to start somewhere, Mr. Decker says. Lisa DeStefano, Home Depot, uh, Vice President of Marketing, initially hesitated looking over the list of proposed video lessons chosen based on high frequency online search queries. Were we selling people short? Were these just too obvious? She says, she asked her team. On the tape measure tutorial. <laughs> the fact there's such a thing. Oh my God. I said, come on, how many things can you say about it, Mrs. DeSofano said. And just in case you think that we are joking and or exaggerating, here's Home Depot's tape measure tutorial in all its glory. And there is. They, they linked it. You guys got to look this up. I, I can't play it here in my mobile office. But you guys got you to you take a look at this. It's hilarious. Meanwhile, Scott's miracle Grow has been forced to start training classes to remind frustrated millennials who can't seem to keep their flowers alive that plants need sunlight to grow. Apparently not a single millennial ever took biology in grade school. Commenting on the tutorials, a defeated vice president of corporate affairs, Jim King, admitted, these are simple things we we wouldn't have really thought to do or needed to do 15 to 20 years ago. Sorry, Mr. King, this is your life now. This is why I say the millennials are a wasted crop. You are a wasted, crappy human. You're just a wasted, crappy I know, no, I, I know you guys who listen in, you guys aren't a wasted crop. But your peers, your generation is a wasted crop. I, honest to God, I mean, what, what, really, really, if, if the trend continues, what, what are we going to have to do? Teach Gen Z how to wipe their own ass? It. This is from the Wall Street Journal. The Scots miracle Grow company has started offering gardening lessons to young homeowners that offer basic tips. Really, really basic. Like making sure sunlight can reach plants. Quote, these are simple things we wouldn't have to really thought to do or needed to do 15 to 20 years ago, says Jim King, Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs for Scots. They're re-quoting it. But this is a group who may not have grown up putting their hands in the dirt, growing their vegetable garden in mom and dad's backyard. How do you not know this, though? They grew up playing soccer, having dance recitals, and playing Xbox. I, I, don't care how much video games, Atari, or Nintendo I played. I knew that plants needed the sun to grow. They probably didn't spend uh, spend much time in the yard as the predecessors or the predecessors' predecessors. Companies such as Scotts, Home Depot, Incorporated, Procter and Gamble, blah 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 blah, are hosting classes and online tutorials to teach such basic basic things as how to mow the lawn. The lawn Use a tape measure, mop a floor, hammer a nail, and pick a paint color. Unfortunately, at least for the Home Depots of the world, millennials now represent the largest demographic in America, with 4.75 million 26-year-olds roaming the streets of New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, without a clue as to how you use a tape measure. I'm uh, I'm now starting to wonder, if it's this hard, if these are problems, I'm sorry my mind went here, what about female hygiene? I'm. I'm not joking. What if there's the whole tampon thing, which is where the dark mind go. Like mom and dad didn't bother raising and telling, you know, junior and and juniorette about the birds and the bees, but wh- what about birth control? Like, what if if you guys haven't taught, if your kids are so dumb they don't know that trees need sun to grow, is there going to be a, a a spate of illegitimate bro. Well, I guess there already is. 40% of kids are born out of wedlock, but accidental. Accidental. Like, oops, I didn't know. And there would be teen births. But teen births are down, so something as complicated as sex can be understood by millennials, but watering trees and plants, that's, that's too complicated. I don't know. I just... I'm, I'm, it, the ramifications for having a generation this stupid and this ignorant are horrible. they just horrible. Um... The biggest sale age cohort today in the United States is 26-year-olds who number 4.8 million, according to Torsten Sluck, chief international economist for Deutsche Bank. People 25, 26, and 24 fall close behind in that order. Many are on the verge of life-defining moments, such as choosing a career, buying a house, and having children. Millennials as a whole are America's latest demographic bubble, overtaking the baby boomer generation. And like them, transferring popular culture, retailing media, and lifestyles. They make up above 42% of all home buyers today, 71% of all first-time home buyers according to the Zillow Group. 86% <clears throat> blah blah blah. Oh god, more. While we have our doubts that it will save their business retailers like JCPenney and West Elm are trying to adapt to the millennial generation by offering basic in-home services like installing televisions or hanging wall art. <laughs> J.C. Penney says, the group is willing to hire other projects. The retailer has pushed into home services, including furnace and air conditioning repair, water treatment systems, and bathroom renovations, and expanded its window covering installation. They're much more of a do-it-for-me type of customer than do-it-yourself. Customer says, Joe McFarland, executive vice, vice president of J.C. Penney Stores. You don't need a ladder or a power drill. You don't... Come on. Let's go here. There we go. You don't even have to wonder if you measured your window right. And it says, oh, uh, uh, what else? <laughs> All that said is great. You can't make it up. All that said, at least some millennials are trying to be more self-sufficient. For example, the Wall Street Journal notes the case of 26-year-old Brienne Lowes, who recently borrowed her dad's power tools to craft a wooden headboard, which went really well after she realized the saw blade was on backwards. How do you even cut wood if it's on backward?" Uh, The saw wasn't working at first because the blade was on backwards. That was embarrassing, says Miss Lowe's. Congrats, Brianne. Really great job, really. So that was that. What was it? Was it the great one, or was it... It was the great one. He was telling the story about a friend of his who teaches French at the college level, and they were trying to teach these kids college students, young adults, how to tell time, but using the French words. And she ended up finding out that half her class could not could not tell time using an analog clock. They had to be raised. Now, look, I understand analog clocks are, are old school, but they're still there. You still tell time with them. What's a watch? You don't need the numbers spelled out for you. We had digital watches in our days too, but we learned to tell time with a with a clock. And half... Half her college, you know, you really smart kids because you're the most educated generation ever, half the college students didn't know how to use an analog clock. And this is not some ding, ding, here comes the bleep mobile El Crapo school. This is Colorado State University, an accredited college, and she had to spend like most of the class teaching these kids how to use a regular clock. Don't and see you know if it was one or two idiot kids, all right, I understand. But when it's half you know, half, the, half of you guys are infected with this galactic stupidity that's incomprehensible to anyone with an IQ of above 50, I just just shame on you. Don't, don't tell me it was the way you were raised. You're just lazy, pathetic people. And here's the thing, whether you were raised that way or not, it doesn't change the fact you guys are wasted crop. You're completely helpless and you're completely hopeless. All right, we got... Um, oh, let me do some sponsors and I'll go to the next one. All right, I got to do this from memory. All right, Chad Elkin CPA, elkincpa.com. Go there if you need accounting. Um, and if you're the type to file on time and not file extensions, he wants your business. There's academiccomposition.com. Check those guys out. Um, the League of Extraordinary Podcasters. I talked about the Hanging Chads. Um... <coughs> The Safety Doc, Dr. David Paradin. Um, Silvio Canto, Tom Lankus, O'Shea Jackson. Michael Kingswood has a new podcast out. Who else? Silvio Canto. Oh, The Black Brigade. DT's on that regular now. I want to re-promote him because he's, he's been back on that regular for quite some time. I just never got around to promoting. We're going to meet him down here. He's coming it's coming down to hang out with the great matt baldoni. he'll never come hang out with aaron clary. but matt baldoni, he'll be like, oh yeah, let's work. for some reason wifey poo is not coming down. um i think that's it. let me check my notes. i knew there was something else. oh, that's what the other news was. hang on, let me look this up on the old phone. Okay, this was on the Becklaw from TheEpicTimes.com. Ratings for late-night comedy shows plummet as political commentary increases. Now, see, the, the, the industry will say it's something else. It's people cutting the cord or whatever else. No, you know what? It's people are getting sick. As I said in the previous segment, people are sick and tired of having politics mis- mixed with their fun. Right or left. I mean, it's predominantly left because Hollywood is so, full of, so lacking and so out of ideas. All they do is go with what they've been programmed for. But this is this is why people are tuning out. This is why people aren't tuning in to the NFL or ESPN. They don't they don't want politics. It's like bringing work home with them. You're in the entertainment industry. Do you guys understand that you are there to entertain? Get in your monkey cage and do your little dance. You're not hired for your intelligence. Maybe your creativity. But not your intelligence. Not your political commentary. Late night talk show giants like Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, Seth Myers, and Jimmy Kimmel started seeing their ratings drop dramatically this year as they continued to inject political commentary into their shows. People are going to say correlation is not causation. I'm going to say it is in this place. But I mean, by all means, guys, you keep, you keep lecturing people and bringing the fun topic of politics into people's, because that's what everyone wants to do. They want to get their blood pressure up and their arteries clogged, listening and getting agitated about Donald Trump. And what, what it is, I bet you there's even leftists who are like sick and tired of hearing you rant and rave. It's 11 p.m. They want to get some good sleep. They're probably tuning out because they want to just go to bed and not be angry about Donald Trump. And you guys get there you go fan up the flames a little bit more, they're sick of it. The, the comedians have all one thing in common, their anti-Trump rhetoric. Yeah, see, you can't even go something different. It's always got to be about Trump. Dude, I don't even jerk off to to internet porn anywhere near as what you guys do to to hating on Donald Trump. Uh, Their anti-Trump rhetoric after promoting their personal political views to their audience and making fun of the president, Donald Trump, at nonstop pace. The late night viewership of these comedians on ABC, CBS, and NBC last week barely made 8 million viewers combined. According to Deadline.com, the numbers have dropped quite a bit when compared to previous ratings. The Washington Examiner pointed out, and the past, former NBC late-night host Jay Leno was bringing in 6 million viewers just on his own show. And you got a captive audience like that. You don't want to be on the internet leaning over your chair. This is something you throw on, hit the button, turn off the button, and go to bed. NBC's The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon, logged 2.5 million viewers. Wow. Less than Half? During premiere week and ABC's Jimmy Kimmel Live garnered 2.3 million on Friday. Colbert, with the help of Jerry Seinfeld, logged in 3.24 million viewers. Are you old Gen Xers still thinking that's the news? According to Deadline.com. While technological developments have pushed many millennials to watch less television, the numbers still don't add up. The viewership of Sean Hannity, a host on Fox News, and Rachel Maddle at MSNBC continue to bring in more viewers, even if they don't tell as many jokes. According to political Hannity averaged 3.5 million viewers in the last week of September, while Maddow got 2.65 million in the same time slot. Yeah, but see, they're on during the daytime. That I can understand when you're awake, oh, what's going on in the news? And I want to be told my version of the news, so I'm going to listen to Hannity or, Matt, or Maddow. But that's during the daytime, not when you want to calm down and go to sleep and be entertained. The drop in ratings is likely attributed to the late-night lineup's political commentary, which seems to have alienated a large base of viewers who don't want to be bombarded with politics. The NFL, here we go. The NFL is suffering from a similar problem as players continue to kneel during the national anthem, which started as a protest against police brutality on minorities. Viewership of the league, for the league has continued to drop in recent times. The ratings for the Sunday night football declined on October 8th, according to the report. This week's NBC Sunday Night Football, which showed the Kansas City Chiefs defeating the Houston Houston Texans, saw a 3% decline compared to last week's Sunday Night Football game, which saw the Seattle Seahawks beat the Indianapolis Colts. According to the Deadline.com, the October 8th game got a 10.6 out of 18 in metered market results. It's a season low for the show. To add further context, last night's injury-filled SNF, Sunday Night Football, (laughs) was up just 4% in, in MM numbers from the comparable game last year when the New York Giants battled the Green Bay Packers. They're going into more numbers and, and acronyms that I don't know. So I don't know if, it, yeah, it's not going to, I'd have to study it. But anyway, ratings are down. Who knew that? When you shove politics in kids' face for 17 years, K through college, then they got to go to work as adults, then you bombard them with more politics either during the daytime on social media or in the regular evening news and then all the way to the nighttime, you know, the entertainment shows and, and your movies and your cartoons and your comic books and your television show. I mean, what, do you think maybe there's going to be some upchuck? Think maybe they've had their fill? I know. I know you guys in Hollywood, in the entertainment industry, you have no other ideas except vagina, white men, bad. Donald Trump is Hitler. I know that's, that's, boy, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel there, huh? That's all we got. That's what's left on the menu. That's why I like Bill Burr and like genuine comedians that they they just, you know, I know you got all of his problems. Bill Cosby could make anything funny. You know, go-karts, he made that funny. Baby Coach Wheels. I mean, he can make anything funny. But no, no, you guys—that's that's what—that's what, that's what you guys are. Uh, you're only capable of is is imbuing politics into everything. All right, that's it for the Clary podcast. I'm gonna go save this, upload it, combine everything, bootity bobity boo, and hopefully through the internets of digital technology, have this up and loaded from my car in the Mississippi River Valley outside of Saint Paul. We'll see you guys later. Toodles.